This is Tara Wilhelmy, your Tuesday morning host of the 8 O'Clock Buzz. We love bringing you this eclectic blend of community, culture, and so much more. In return, we ask for some support through donations to the station. It's easy. Go to wartfm.org slash donate. Thanks for your support, and thanks for listening in. You're listening to WRT 89.9 Madison. Listener sponsored community radio. The People's Station. No justice! No peace! No justice! No peace! No justice! No peace! No justice! No peace! Oh, I say you've been misled. You've been had. You've been took. Man, listen, this is 2023, and we swing in chairs. I am not my ancestors, B. Good morning, Madison. Okay. Good morning, good morning. It's the 8 o'clock buzz. It's Tuesday morning. It's your girl, Tara. Tia the plug. I got Antoine McNeil on the line with yep, me. Yep. Good morning, yeah. sir. How you feeling today? Good. good morning. I'm blessed. How are you? I'm doing all right. You know, I, I braved the slushy roads. Me and John in the house. <clears throat> oh, well, y'all better than me, y'all. True Wisconsinites. Shout out. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, but it, it wasn't too bad. For those of y'all getting out there, it's slushy, but it's not too cold. And then what I find in most of this weather is usually the other drivers that I'm more worried about. <clears throat> so if everybody can act like they care and leave a little, little bit early, you'll be all right, hopefully. Oh, winter, winter, here it is. We were all excited about that shift in weather. It seemed like it was taking forever, but... Here it is. We know it's gonna last. I, what you think? You think it's gonna go till April or May? You, how, how long you think we gonna have cold weather? You this nice weather or the cold weather? The cold weather, like snow. No Winter esque weather. I am, not a, I am not a groundhog. I have no idea. <laughs> I, did, I did not study weather and climate in school. I did actually terrible oh, in that. So you've been here though. You got lived experience. I mean, I would hope we have a warm winter, but I think we've been hoping that for years. So I don't know. I take it how it come. Okay. I'm one of them people who don't really care about whatever the weather's doing. I feel like I'm I'm an element too. The snow don't care about you. The sun don't care about you. So I go out there in that same fashion. Man, so I love that you're like I'm an element too. That that hit I am. me. And I refuse to believe the sun don't care about me. I'm a sun person. Me and the sun have a love oh, affair. No. I just okay. mean if it come out, if it's cloudy, you will never know. The sun don't care if you out there or not. Okay. I'm going to let you hold that. Me and the sun, we commune. We do things. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I anybody who knows me knows that I step on the sun and just bask. I need it. I yeah. miss it right now. That's one of the things I'm experiencing right now is this lack of sunshine. Yeah. Anyway, man. So, Happy New Year to you. This is my first time seeing you, I think, since the New Year. Happy New I Year. Feel like Happy, New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So... <clears throat> Today I made a post on Facebook. We're going to tackle a big subject today. Um, as I was thinking about what we were going to talk about this week, I, I thought about some of the stuff we usually talk about and, and health and wellness was on there. And, and I realized I couldn't come on the radio and address my community without acknowledging what so many of us 
are are dealing with right now and that is loss right um we've had five that i know of tragic and public losses of young people in our community since the beginning of this year we're on the ninth day um that's too near to one a day that's any one is too many uh and so so today i don't want to i don't want to take space to dig into the details as i'm not uh i'm not the person to do that i don't have that intimate first hand or even second hand knowledge but i what i do know is across the board two two or three things that are affecting us and and ways we can look at what's affecting us and so that's what i'm going to do today i'm going to give some information i'm one of those people that if i can name it that gives me something to focus on i can start taking action around it what what do you think about that that it, I think it's a it's it's a lot to deal with. Anytime we're dealing with grief, anytime we're dealing with trauma, anytime we're dealing with a very small community that you know is is kind of close knit. And a lot of times, I think we we realize how close we are once these tragedies happen. Kind of like a family, you know, when you when you have to pull together the resources. Um, and I think I like how you said not necessarily going over all the details because you're not the person, but just to maybe shed some light on some things and to maybe talk about how to deal with it. So, Absolutely. Okay. And I love that, that we're a family and let's support each other. That's exactly that's exactly right. Uh, the community should be an extension of our family. And Madison is a, t- is a tight knit, whether we want to look at it and how we get along or just in our connection points. Uh, people are what, one and a half degrees of separation around town, if you ask. Uh, yeah. All right. So for those of you who are not aware um, of the loss that we are talking about today, um, on the first day of the year, there was a uh, car accident that ended in uh, the loss of three young lives two young men and a young lady who were involved in a high-speed pursuit with police in the Monona uh, area. <clears throat> and then uh, on Friday, we all started learning about two young boys who, um, at the time I heard of it, were uh, in serious condition at our children's hospital who were found in a recess pond out in Sun Prairie. Ultimately, I woke up uh, this morning, or maybe it was last night, uh, to... Um, Condolences to the family that both young men had been lost and are now. Uh, Sorry to hear that. Absolutely, and so uh, it's it's. Um, I keep pausing to say ah ah because the words escape you when those things happen. As a mother, as a person in our community, it's it's unimaginable, and yet we're all imagining it, right? Um, those of right. you who who are close to the family, mother, father, uh, all of the loved ones, uh, my heart is is pounding for you not breaking for you it is is ultimately uh i'm trying to send out to the world and to you love and healing and and just grace right now i don't even know that people can talk about healing in these moments right now that first piece of it so today i want to share with the community some language like i talked about because um, sometimes in our community, we hear things about who gets to grieve, who gets to uh, express condolences and loss. This idea that if you don't know someone or you weren't hanging with them when they were here, you shouldn't speak on right. them. And and right. in some places, I understand that in some ways. Right. I, I was just a witness to another community tragedy uh, before the end of the year. And I, I was critical of folks who were jumping in to the situation for the wrong reasons. And so that does exist. And. 
we all feel grief for what happens. We all should hold a level of empathy and understanding that has to affect us. And there's a word for that. It's called vicarious trauma. When we witness or we hear about traumatic events that we then internalize that. That's the, they call it emotional residue. Vicarious trauma. Vicarious trauma. V-I-C-A-R-I-O-U-S. Vicarious trauma. And so vicarious trauma, first, when I first heard about it, it was while I was being trained to be a recovery professional. And it was the idea that this is something that therapists and other support givers, that they have, right? This idea that if I sit in, listen and hold space for other people to talk about their individual traumas, that there's going to be some of that left with me and that I have to address and understand that there's vicarious trauma. But. I believe, and and, and the world has now acknowledged that that exists in a community level. That exists through exposure to trauma on the news, uh, by hearing about it. So Facebook, any any place that you're experiencing trauma, um, witnessing it, hearing about it, it can leave an effect on you. It should, I believe, right? right? As empathetic humans, it should leave a, a, have an effect on you. So today we're right. going to talk about naming it, what it looks like, and maybe a couple of things that we can think about about how do you manage it. And at the end of the day, uh, understanding yourself, self-reflection, reaching out for support, uh, and, and self-care. Those are the right. things that are are key to managing any crisis and vicarious trauma in these moments when we've lost these lives and we're nearby to people who are losing their lives uh, or having loved ones taken from them. That's you have to be able to be prepared and, and and hold yourself in that space and give your space that yourself that. Um, and those of us that are lined up to help people in the community, you got to do the same thing. So uh, vicarious trauma, the definition Uh, It starts out with the emotional residue of exposure to traumatic stories and experiences of others through work, witnessing fear, pain and terror that others have experienced. Okay, that came from the American Counseling Association and and that word emotional residue. For me, that's a great way to think about it is what's left behind when you're dealing with other folks emotions or witnessing them. Emotional residue. So. It's, it's one of those things where some people say like, hey, I'm, I'm an empath. I feel other what, what other people feel or they kind of feel the effects of maybe trauma or pain or other people's issues. I would say that when a person identifies themselves as an empath, they're saying that they have that that empathy at a higher level. It's heightened. It's it's okay. more it's uh, it's 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 something that's definitely more than what I'm talking about, right? It's part of it, it's an extended version of it. There's high level empathy um, that people might call being empathic. So empathic is like, for me, my understanding of of people who are are empaths are, are that they are connected to an energy around people's emotions and they feel them as though they're theirs, right? So when you walk up on someone who's in sadness, you're overwhelmed or overcome with their sadness or you sense it. Empaths who are able to manage that sense it and can address it. Um, Whether you call that being intuitive to other people's feelings or empathic or you just straight on carry the title empath, uh, that's a higher level. What I'm talking about is how if I told you a sad story right now, part of you would go, ah, man, right? Whatever part of you connected to that story, whether it was your like common humanity, that's just like, man, we can, when you can recognize a messed up thing or, um, 
or like today, um, Monday and Tuesday, the parents were well, Monday because we don't have school today for some schools. But Monday, the Monday morning when friends of the family or people who heard about what had happened to the two young boys sent their kids out the door. Right. That's vicarious right. trauma that I don't have to right. be anything more than able to understand how somebody else's situation would impact me. That's right. right. That's not even getting all the way into empathy. Empathy is when you can identify with someone's emotions and feel them like from a space of your own understanding. Right. But okay, okay. But em- being being able to just take some uh, somebody else's experience and, and have it make you worry. That feels real natural to everybody. Right. Like that's right. that's like we could hear about something that happened in another country um, when we think about even like war and, and have those same vicarious traumatic. Oh, and that's why I don't really do the news or social media when there's been an, an uh, like a police shooting or something that's highly traumatic because the vicarious trauma of it because we immediately can own and and carry so much of that. So to same, same house, I would say that vicarious trauma is a surface level that if we don't have a name, I guarantee we've all experienced it. Empathy is something that comes with emotional intelligence. People need to learn the difference between sympathy and empathy. And then there's empath, which is like up here. um, And that's gets into another realm of, of belief and experience. But great question. I, I, that, because I'm, I'm sure there's folks out here thinking that. So another bullet point um, that's also from the American Counseling Association. I'm just looking at a trauma fact sheet. If you want, if you're a visual learner, if you need to read this for yourself, just go ahead and, and, and Google uh, trauma, vicarious trauma. And I'm sure you can find uh, great resources as well. Um, <clears throat> sometimes referred to as secondary trauma or secondary stress disorder. And so that idea that it's not happening to us and then right. it's, it's included now in the DSM five. And so for those of you who aren't in profession of uh, medical or behavioral health, the DSM five is a diagnostic manual. If you go to a doctor or a psychiatrist and then you have a list of symptoms, they can go to this manual that's in its fifth version, DSM five, and they can align those symptoms bullet pointed. And it's usually like, if you see three or more of these, you're likely to have this diagnosis. It's how our medical billing system works, if I'm honest. But so it, what is saying here is that this is recognized as a medical disorder right trauma and stress related disorders vicarious trauma is now evidence-based science-based that it happens outside of just what we what we're feeling wow Right. And it's not the same. And this goes back to the idea of this was something that was first kind of coined to talk about professionals it's not the same as being burnt out being tired of something is not the same thing as is being traumatized by it being empathetic to it um Although it's part of it when you have vicarious trauma, that's one of the things is that you are going through. You can go through physical and emotional uh, grieving just like. Right. Right. And so that's part of it, especially that's why I think it's important to give language, because for somebody out here who's been processing feelings and not quite sure why this is a key for me. When you get language, you get words. Those are to those to me. Those are keys to understanding. Right. I think it's a I think when you when you making this point is very um for for me, it connects with I've seen so many moms, so many people connect, especially with the, at least the most recently um, with the two young, young boys that are RIP to their for, for to them. And then nothing but love and 
disgrace to their families. And it was interesting. The thing that connected to me the most is how many moms were saying, I couldn't imagine, couldn't believe, or my heart is with you. And they're torn out and they're torn up because of how they're experiencing someone else, you know, traumas. Like that wasn't their mother. But they say, I see someone say, hey, I have a, a child this age, or I couldn't imagine. And I think that vicarious trauma is, uh, is real. So I'm glad you touched it on the subject because there's a lot of people who have their own connections with you know this, this trauma absolutely and 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 on the other side of that um the the accident that high-speed chase situation and the teenagers right it's on it's like it hit for me as a mom those two things hit me on both spectrums of my family i have real right. life concerns about my children who are in the age group who are who are susceptible to being cars with people who will, right. who will go right and right. I've got grandbabies who I worry about walking out, getting out the car, right? Like just their general first two, three steps into the world every day have whole trauma. Um, and then I'm a feeling person. I'm a feeling person. So how do we not um, weep and shudder at these thoughts? And and then also I've heard a lot from the fellas. I've heard dads talking about because uh, there's another layer in fatherhood because he also has had the loss of a child and the the support to mom right there's a family that's hanging in the balance of these these actions and these situations um and we know high emotions and grief loss um pull at us and so the 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 need to wrap around each other and support each other um back and forth between the parents the grandparents the siblings the aunts the family um and how does the community wrap around into that i've heard um all kinds of statements that have to do with that dynamic between parents and the grief and the, and the outcomes and the behaviors. And that's, that's another vicarious trauma, another place we tap into that. What, what would this right. be like if this happened in our family? Right, man. Yeah. And, and that those things that we, that we can only imagine or can imagine is happening in real life for some people. Like, our thought process, our imagination, our worst nightmare are someone's reality. So I'm glad that you, you, you're tapping into these subjects because, you know, sometimes a conversation needs to be had, especially with vicarious trauma. How does that work? Like it, that person may need to also go to therapy. And that's why I think you were making reference to the DSM-5 for some people that's just basically uh, like the psychology Bible. So it's kind of where they go get their diagnosis or their prognosis from to say, hey, we think this might be a concern or this may be an issue. And, you know, this is a Bible. What makes them say this is this is the real definition of it. So I'm glad you're tapping into that, um, you know, maybe tap into like what therapy looks like. And, and I know you do have a few other points that you want to make. So I don't want to kind of stall or be lingering. Well, I want to go just a couple steps more into this, and then we're going to listen to a, a song we want to share, uh, just because I know this is a hard topic, so I want to give people a moment to just reflect, just breathe a little. Right. Um, right. So I'm going to share just a little bit deeper on this idea of vicarious trauma, and then after this, we're going to talk about the stages of grief, what that can look like, like how do we identify where we're at, and the fact, some facts about that. And then I'm looking for people to call in. I've got two resources I'm going to share um, that are hubs of resources. So you can go to the resources I'm going to talk about and you can find support there through multiple uh, kind of tentacles. And I'm inviting anyone who's listening to either go to the Facebooks that I put out this morning and tag someone or to call in with your information if you're available 
to provide support. Um, if this is what you do, if you these are the trenches that you work in, this is the uplifting work that you do. Uh, this is we, we you're needed, and so folks need to know who they can reach out to. So, for some of us, like there's a thing called compassion fatigue that's aligned with vicarious trauma. So we find ourselves being desensitized when we're continuously, consistently hit with trauma. And that happens when it's vicarious trauma, right? Um, We could get deep and talk about how that affects gun violence, community violence, all these different things. But the bottom line is that compassion fatigue is really a thing. It's a thing that's beyond empathy. And it's characterized as a gradual lessening of compassion over time. So if you're somebody who right now has heard about the news and is like, yeah, that's messed up and has been able to continue on and is not being deeply impacted the way we just talked about. That's part of it, too. Okay, like there's nothing there's no rights and wrongs in emotions. First of all, we feel them and we just have to acknowledge them. The rights and wrong in emotion are usually how we express them. Uh, and, and it's healthy and unhealthy. But having emotions, whatever emotion aligns to a situation is is individual to each of us. And we just need to process how and why we have it and not judge it. And so anybody who feels like, yes, yeah, messed up, but it didn't it did not affect or it's not impacting me. It could very well be because the consistent chronic trauma, the ongoing like we've definitely become desensitized to um, acts of violence uh, by the police. We we definitely have or to each other, Um, because think about how we've actually glamorized, you know, glorified some of that in our culture, the violence to each other. And then now with the police, we just kind of go to a space where like we expect it. We know they're going to get off like the outcry. The outrage isn't necessarily there as we've seen. Right. Um, And that's part of being re-traumatized. That's part of how we carry trauma. We've got to manage it. So one of the ways that we manage it is over time we become desensitized. We don't allow ourselves to experience or go through the big emotions every time, um, just like any other crisis. Eventually, like when people talk about resilient people and how they stay calm in crisis, most of the resilient people I know would rather not be so strong because they earn Mm -hmm. that strength in a hard, long, dirty road, right? Like you don't get strong uh, unless you start lifting it a lot. That same thing with your physical muscles. And so that's where that desensitization, it's not the word for me, but that's where that comes from, being sensitized. I, I like I like the word desensitization. However, it's also I think the flip side of that is callous. People are becoming more callous to to seeing things. Like I'll give an example. Like I grew up born and raised in Milwaukee. It was all I would see every day is trauma, shooting, killing. I can literally it's not it's not necessarily funny, but I make a joke to my mom. Like, why are you watching this trauma porn? Like every day it's nothing but a shooting on such and such, a stabbing on a little, little girl gets killed. And I, I can't my, I can't right now to this day. People ask me about the news. I tend to not watch the local news because of how I'm traumatized from Milwaukee, although Absolutely. it's a difference. From, from Madison News versus, you know, Milwaukee. But I say that to say my heart got more callous to that. And sometimes I'm trying to be over a situation before it even starts because it's like, oh, this mm-hmm. again, and this is what we report on. So, you know, you, you're hitting a lot of nails right now. And like I said, again, some people have kids. Some You got children. You got nieces, nephews. All of these situations, 
affect us. And like I said, everything down to what the police did or the police chase or whatever they call it and suspicious, that affects every black person, every person who's who known we've heard the story in Monona before. This the same thing with, with the children. You know, how do we how do we how do we protect our kids when they're in our house, outside of our house? What do we do? And you you got kids helping other kids. So you you know it's it's a lot to unpack. And I'm thankful that, you know, we're having this conversation because our community needs to be part of it. Like you said, you may have some songs to kind of just give us a break and a breather between it. And then also some medical terminology to kind of let us know what's going on. So and, and so you said hitting the nails, but you just hit the nails. And I'm, I'm going to move into that because you talked about some of the larger issues at play. Right. There's systemic um issues at play here when we talk about the loss of the three lives in the high-speed chase we're talking about police policy and criminal justice reform issues and when we talk about the tragedy this just just recently with these two brothers we it talks about affordable housing and housing issues right both of those and and of course there's many more issues under there but those are the two headline issues that are systemic that are linked to these very individual specific real live losses tragedy trauma um and getting into this idea of controlled uh empathy and also steps of what we can do to manage it activities that go into our grief management and some of us um are responding to the grief by wanting to out to speak out against those systems to name and discuss and protest the systemic issues so on the 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 high-speed chase side it's the decision to pursue and how there's all this data linked to the dangers of it and how the suspicious vehicle and the outcomes that i've heard legally don't justify i can't think of very many crimes that justify a loss of life but these definitely do not and then you pair that to the historic locally historic um knowledge i'm gonna call it knowledge because to me it's facts of racial problems in that specific department in the monona police department um we've had i think to my count we're at like five uh, losses of life that I deem suspicious that ha- right um in, right. in less in less than that many years I feel like I can't remember uh, when we lost the young years, man though, that they said drowned in the river but my kids knew that young boy and uh the understanding was that he was a co- literally country boy who swam in rivers it just it didn't sound right and, a lot of the stories don't make uh, sense. right and then I knew the young man that was supposed to have took his life and now this situation and the decision to lay down those spikes um, one of my kids was on that Dane County app. So, you know, I know y'all seen it. And she was in what I've called the high speed, low speed chase. She was scared to pull over for police and she was continuing to move, but she wasn't moving at high speeds. And they ended up ultimately spiking one of our cars. And I only bring that up to say the damage done to my vehicle, I'm still addressing. It's not our main wow. vehicle, but like, and that was low speed. So anyway, I've, I've gotten off onto a right. tangent. I said I would not. And that's one no, big system, right? And so those of us that are mad about that and are needing to voice, that is a form of, of dealing with our grief. So community, we thank those people, those voices in our, in our community that are the advocates and the protesters, the people who are going out here on that level. And we right. also have to right. recognize that so for some people, that's how they express their grief. Because some people feel like this ain't the time for that and that we all express our grief differently. And I just wanted to hold that there's value in that and that that's one of the ways that we can and should respond. If you're doing it in a a way that's safe to you, 
then that's a healthy healthy release and they are relevant issues the housing affordable housing we've had multiple conversations here on this platform and in the community about the way these units are built managed and how we how we're how they're used in our community and um, one of my good friends in our um, violence intervention unit at the public health names housing and the way that our affordable housing specifically is ran as violence as violence to our community. And so um, one of the things that stood the out to me. housing is ran as violence to our community? Yes, right? The way that we are housed, affordable housing, low-income housing, it's a deep subject, and I invite you to go into it. Matter of fact, we're going to shout out to her. Oh, we're no, it makes have her come me. in I, I literally said and that, have the conversation. I said that on purpose for you to repeat it. Oh, okay, okay. Because, yeah, because some people are like, huh? Yeah. But, but the, so, well, so the purpose. idea of of young people being let off of a bus with this big mass of water that's not uh, fenced in and the design of the building to have that located, right? I, I haven't been out to the building. I don't know the details. As I started out saying, right. I'm not the person for the detailed information, but these are my, right. like this is what I've been able to glean from social media and third persons, right? right? And so um, I say this to say that Activism and speaking out in anger is is natural response to to vicarious trauma, and it's also relevant because it, these are very specific individual situations that have larger systemic issues uh, for our community to be aware of. That this is this is a real life outcome, unintended or not, of these two things, these two huge things. And so naming that, and then the idea of controlled empathy. So constantly monitoring our emotions as to not react to stories and testimonies. Absorbing the information without showing emotion. I feel like that hits that should hit for people. The side like it's what you just said. You watch the news so many times. And now if we look at our entertainment, we literally lots of our entertainment that's popular is just an expression. It's, it's trauma, trauma response. If yeah. you're it, yeah. people who are watching uh, reality TV shows where where the women cannot get along, even though now we realize it's scripted because they know the views go up. That right. started in a real place that started in really like people in could not cohabitate. We all know we just came through the holidays where lots of families experienced uncle so and so and such and such having their annual thing and this is why I don't right. come to the family like that's that's been real for us but that's this idea right. of of this like it's so much around us it's always around chronic right. trauma it, like it's always there and so that therefore that's right. we have like you have to manage it and one of the ways we manage it so one of them was to speak out to be angry to, to protest it uh, another way is this this idea that we become compassion fatigue hey sis okay I love it when I have surprise beautiful guests Lolo Latour has joined us sis has a lot of knowledge on this as well come have a seat I want you to sit across from me so I can look at you the way we going today we might have to record two uh, episodes or something because this is something that continues to happen in our community absolutely well and deeper than that I, I encourage people to get together and have this conversation don't shy away from hard conversations we're all right. human this should be just as we, i want to see us get to a place where these type of check-ins are check-ins are as natural as how you doing and what you do this weekend like let's really dig into our, each other's emotions and, and support each other each other in a way and then be open when people want to know about those things that's how we start change as well but y'all know y'all get me going down these change the world love the world oh baby Okay. No, these are necessary conversations to have. Absolutely. Like, like you said, it need to be it need to be more regular than hey, how you doing? Because we all have lost someone, and like you said again, that through the vicarious trauma, we're living in a small knit community to where there's many people who didn't go to work today, 
just because of how they feel that are not related to that child that have never met that child on how they how they feel sick to the stomach so well, i think these know, are necessary conversations to have you said go to work and you know what came up for me is that one of the one of the things that i really hated about going into workplaces where i was the only person of color was that anytime something happened in our community i could tell that there two things would happen one of the two things one i could tell that everybody knew about it and talked about it before i got there and then you know when you walk up on a group of people that are talking about you and you're like oh, they were definitely just talking about me because it gets weird that would happen which was awkward or I think almost worse than that was that nobody there knew that they were so out of touch with what was happening in my community that they weren't even aware of what was happening and so versus coming into everybody knowing about it and then acting like they couldn't talk to me about it which is hurtful but okay at least they understood knew was coming into work and being the only person that was carrying the trauma, even though everybody in my natural support network was being affected by it. So, and, and that's, that, that's more to just say, acknowledge those people that didn't have the ability to take the time that they right. might've needed and had to go into work, mm-hmm. that that's a thing. And so right. if you're somebody in the community that might not be feeling this, like ha- hold space for somebody coming in that that is. And understand that we we're dealing and processing trauma, a high level of it in our community. This is too small of a community for this not to affect so many people. And I see it. I'm barely on Facebook, but when I scroll, that's what I'm seeing on my page. Um, Let's help each other deal with it. Absolutely. And this, and I want to go back to that what we just talked about of like controlled empathy or like this toning down of it. And according to this right here, and, and also what I know because I've, I've conquered some of my emotions by doing this, is that it requires vigorous neurological activity. That means it's a lot of work to do. So when you come across somebody who seems like they're dampened or on um, unemotional, uh, take a moment to think that it's not that they're cold hearted, it's that they're working really hard to manage their trauma. And, and then one of the ways they're doing it is controlling how that they allow it to affect them, the way that they let emotions come out. And I see that in our young people. I see that right. in our strong, independent black woman. And I see that in our men, all all of us. And I say that say everybody's everybody's impacted. But that like if I think when I say those names, we think about how it shows up. A child is going to say nothing, never mind, and close down. A woman is going to I'm, we just carry the world, right? That you hear many women talking about how we got the weight of the world. We just we'll pick it up and keep going with it as and add it to the big pile of trauma we manage. And our men are like you're told you're not supposed to talk about it, so y'all gonna hold it in and just shoulder soldier through. Those are the yeah. the cliches that come to mind when I think about that in actualization in our community um so it takes anatom so autonom- autonomic empathy that involves both sides of your brain it's retact it's reacting to stories with appropriate emotion and so that's the idea that you're thinking about how to manage the emotion instead of emotions they come out they're felt and of course we should manage our emotions and this is like a studied ability to think what's appropriate to this response and then manage my my uh, my emotions like what is that like? Socio- sociopath? Uh, be, someone who's a sociopath doesn't have real emotions, but they. Um, psychopaths. Actually. It's psychopaths yeah. that do that? Yeah, sociopaths can have feel, but they can only feel to a certain depth of emotion. So it gets deep. Look, and that's why I was out there yeah. like, what? Like, but, but so. No, I just. Don't but that's know like about a range, right? That's a spectrum of that. Well, I believe you. I'm glad yeah. Lolo knows. Some of these things, like as we name these things, it shows up and we start thinking about that's why such and such can happen, right? Because we won't name it, but um, in the streets, when people talk about having lots of bodies, that's really a serial killer, right? Mm-hmm. If you got Ooh. lots of bodies, you've endeavored in, in murder, multiple serial homicides. Mm-hmm. But we, when I say serial killer, we don't think. Think of 
the same image if we say uh, somebody in the streets with lots of bodies. Right. That, going back I to do. this idea of glamorize. Well, there you go. That mm-hmm. idea of glamorizing violence and trauma in our community. Uh, okay. So that's the, the autonomic empathy is when we're managing the emotions. And controlled empathy is taking control of the empathetic response and taxing the right hemisphere of the brain. And so you see how it's different? One is... I'm calculating what's appropriate and then how do I show up like I'm being appropriate? Mm -hmm. And the other is I have a feeling and I'm working really hard to control how I express it. So I went through years of therapy um, for some of the losses that I had experienced. And one thing that they taught us is that um, your brain doesn't even have the capacity to store trauma, Mm. that we are not equipped when we're born to handle certain levels of traumatic events or pain. So you literally have to create space in your mind um, as if it was an actual storage unit Mm. to help store trauma. Um, when we are traumatized, we re- our brains respond as if we're physically being hurt. It's the same exact um, neurons that fire off. It's the same exact receptors that fi- fire off as if you're being punched in the face versus being traumatized. Um, so when you were telling me, when you were talking about the autotomic response, um, I thought it was interesting because we don't even know how to automatically store trauma. We literally have to create spaces because our brains are not equipped for it. That makes me think about maternal ACEs. Mm. So ACEs are avatar, ad, adversarial childhood experiences. Mm-hmm. And it's this it's this scale, it's a survey that then the scale of experiences we've had that link to physical ailments, mm. right? That mm-hmm. link to shortened life expectancy. Yeah. And... Um, And in addition to learning about ACEs, I learned about maternal ACEs, which is the same kind of a thing. But what happens to a mother while she's she's pregnant Mm -hmm. and its impacts on the baby. And the reason I bring that up is because when you say that our brain does not have space for it, it causes physical changes in our in in the in the forming embryo in this baby in our bellies. It literally changes like the level of receptors to certain like chemical neurons and Mm -hmm. yeah so it's and then you think about books like uh uh, the effects of by way the body stores trauma what is it yeah right yeah and so like and we know that and we know that because we experience it and as soon as you start learning the language i'm sorry if i sound my voice gets excitable when it's new language and right like that's uh, the knowledge because to me that's like i said in the beginning those are the keys for me um but i've also been accused of being too logical sometimes well the area that we store trauma in is literally sits directly in front of the piece of our brain where our memories are held so the larger the trauma area expands the smaller the memory area gets so you're literally physically hurting yourself by not being able to deal with trauma as it comes even when you um what did you while i was driving up i heard it you call it passive um where you just uh, it doesn't even affect you oh yeah like the fatigue yeah the trauma fatigue or yeah uh the the fatigue um even that is is a way of your brain um 
being kind to yourself. Mm, your absolutely. brain being kind to you absolutely. without causing I mean, more it's, it's damage. Literally, yeah. it's saving the system. Literally. Right? It's literally, literally saving the system. Yeah. So I'm, we're going to go to a song. We're going to share uh, Candy, Burgess, and uh, Easier. Yeah. I looked at all the different songs, and they're all going to make you feel a way, but this one I feel like is focused on this next part of it, which is the stages of grief and processing it. Yeah. Before we go to the song, I'm going to just read some of the symptoms that, again, are on this uh, American Psychology Association um, form, this this one-page of information. And I just want to leave these out there for you to maybe think about if you're feeling these, and this can align to maybe an idea of why, right? So we're talking about symptoms of vicarious trauma. And the first place I'm going to share is where it shows up in personal ba- values and beliefs. And so dissatisfaction, mm. negative perception, a loss of interest, apathy, blaming others, a lack of appreciation, a lack of interest in caring, detachment, hopelessness, low self-image, worried about not doing enough, questioning a frame like a questioning frame of where, of reference so like you're always questioning the worldview your spirituality so people might say they're looking for themselves or right? okay mm-hmm. disruption in self capacity and then disruption in needs beliefs and relationships and when we're thinking about how it shows up behavior like your actual performance low motivation increased errors slash difficulty focusing decreased quality so thinking that you just you're just not able to put out the best work, avoidance of responsibilities and obligations, mm. over involvement in details or being a perfectionist. So going to either end of those things and then a lack of flexibility. So not being able to move or change I'm those <laughs> symptoms could be bullet points of a lot, right? Mm-hmm. But whenever that happens, that's when I, I ask people to think about what you're feeling and align it. Is that a possibility? Because somebody might have some of these same things and been diagnosed as ADHD was in there, anxiety. Uh, right? Anxiety, depression, depression. absolutely. Mm-hmm. And while all of those things can exist, it could also be your very natural and human response to the trauma that you're seeing every day, just being a person plugged into the world. And not being able to store it anymore. Mm. All they right. therapy. Mm-hmm. John, I mean, I'm not a big James pusher of Struger. therapy. I'm a big pusher of finding support. Yeah, there's I mean, a difference. The therapy, therapy. Huh. Thing. I just read. Shout out to local entrepreneur Myra. Um, she's over there at Anesis. I just read that they're having to close their wait list because it's at like. Don't get me wrong, but I want to say it said like seven years or like it was. Whatever it was, it's a crazy it's amount of time for people to get into therapy. And yes, therapy is huge. Everybody who is, is keyed into it usually is someone like you heard. Lolo just came in and said, I've been going to it for years. And it, and right people suggested as you are. And if you can't get to therapy, you can still get to support. Yes, you can. And that's, that's my I point agree. is that we can't just push therapy. We have to say we have to support each other and seek supportive resources because and also because the peer support specialist in the state that I train would not be happy with me if I was like only therapist <laughs> okay yeah. go to the song we're gonna go to the song thanks John the song is dedicated to my brother Patrick Odell Riley I was in without you I cannot imagine life without you it was such a painful thing to go through Have you been taken away? 
All right, welcome back. Tuesday, 8 o'clock buzz, W-O-R-T-F-M. And you're uh, joining us in a conversation where we're talking about uh, some terms, vicarious trauma. We're about to jump into the ideas around or defining the stages of grief and talk about that a little bit. And we're going to uh, share a couple local resources people can tap into to get connected to other resources. So a couple of resource hubs in town uh, for folks who are looking for support. Uh, that was, uh, we got some great feedback on the live. That song was Easier by Candy Burgess. Burgess? Burgess? Burgess. Burgess. Well, Candy. Um, candy from Escape. There yeah, you go, right? That's what escape. I was going to say. Candy from Escape. Candy from Escape. Uh, or if you're a new generation, which one of the talk, which one of the reality shows is she on? The Real Housewives Real House, of House Atlanta? Atlanta? Okay. Uh-huh. That Candy. We're not going to get into, anyway. I'll talk about her restaurant. More trauma. No. More trauma. It, well, yeah, okay. But yeah, but... um. But, that, you know, I thought that was a, a good, uh, not uplifting, but a good feeling song. I don't know how yeah. to explain it. but A friend of mine, she was listening. She said that she had just lost her brother three days ago. And that song was, she, it was helping her. So, great choice. Sorry to hear that. Man. Well, right, because then, so I'm talking, we're, we've been focused on very two specific mm. situations. But uh, even in my circle, I know folks who have just recently lost loved ones. And mm. so lots of loss um, at the end and the beginning of this year. Um but the very public loss is what made me think about um, vicarious trauma mm-hmm. uh, and sharing that what I understand and what I was able to access um, with our community. So I'm take a moment before we dive into talking about the stages of grief just to give um, and I'll share them again before we go. And I'm also going to share them on my Facebook post, um, the hubs that I'm talking about. And so uh, there's a Dane County Behavioral Health Resource Center. And it's a physical location, but it's also basically a hotline that you can call and they are a resource hub. And so you call and you say, these are the things I'm interested in. This is what I'm looking for. This is what I'm experiencing. And then they give you access, right? They connect you to resources locally. So that's one place that I would say that if you're looking for a professional that can support you, a group that you can attend, some resources to help you or a loved one, someone you know who's struggling to deal with this or who needs some support through this. Um, that would be a place. And so that is uh, Dane County Behavioral Health Resource Center. And then also, I don't know if people know this. Where but are they are, located? What's their website? The, well, I was going to I was going to share that at the end, but you're right. OK, so the website is Dane, D-A-N-E, B as in boy, H as in Henry, R, C as in cat dot org. And so Dane County Behavioral Health Resource Center. You can look them up and let me go on here and see if I can get us a telephone number. I'm yeah, sorry, if you didn't have it on hand, they can find. No, I do. I've got it. Else. So the and and so it's of course we love acronyms. So that's the BHRC, <coughs> and the telephone number up there is 608-267-2244. You can email them at bhrc at countyofdane dot com, and they're open. Uh, for people really live in person from 7.45 a.m. to 4.30. And that's m- all week, it looks like. Awesome. Yeah. They say that they're available Thank to you. help connect you to resources for your mental health and substance use needs. And so this would fall under mental health support, right? Grief uh, and trauma 
that's how we're mentally well. And also go to their website. They've got um, some clickable resources and links there. Uh, I was part of a team that got to be part of the conversations that created. I came in at the end, so I was not a, a spearhead of that, but I was invited to a group that both helped to create this center and then supported it in its first year. I, um, I think it's a great resource, as in anything, any idea that comes to fruition, everything could use more. So us tapping into it and people who have resources to give, getting aligned with them so they can be listed on their directory um, are ways we can make this a more valuable resource, but it's a huge resource to our community, and um, I'm glad we've been able to create it and that exists. So that's one place. And then something that I think that sometimes people aren't aware of, um, so United Way has the 211 line. Literally, you can pick up your phone and dial 211, or you can go to the United Way website. They even have an app now. And I think most people align or think about 211 when they're looking for food pantries or some kind of housing help, some kind of crisis, financial crisis, basic needs crisis. But if you scroll down, they've got referrals to mental health and substance use and crisis, suicide crisis. They've got those links. And again, I was honored to be part of a pilot that used 211 calls mm. to give direct referrals to peer support specialists in the community. So when somebody called up to the line and they expressed uh, issues, they were offered the opportunity to get called back with a, from somebody who was a professional to deal and support them. And I love that that one pilot has grown into this 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 nice list of um, resources. So you can link to hotlines, warm lines, um, and more long-term support going through United Way's 211 line. Yeah. And so those will all be links that I'm going to share on my Facebook. Um, so if you saw the post to join us today to see what we were talking about, You'll find those posts in the comment. And then also, again, I'm going to encourage people from the community to either call up 608-256-2001 up here to Wart to go ahead and share your information or some resources that you know about or to drop the links into the chat. Let's get some support and let's find uh, ways for people to get support. Uh, the whole point of vicarious trauma is that you're not alone, That's right. right? Is that we're all carrying some of it. And so um, it's a good, those are two good resources. So I wanted to share those. Okay. Wow. Yeah, it's eight fifty nine, y'all. I'm so sorry. It was still a great show. It was. Signing off. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> right? Yeah. He said it. Antoine called it out that we were gonna have to do a second. Thanks for joining us. It's Tara. Uh, Tuesday, eight o'clock buzz. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to Tuesday eight o'clock buzz on WRT eighty nine point nine FM in Madison, Wisconsin. Next up, Brian Hirsch. Green Morning Radio. Make it a good week, people.